judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to our recording marathon. Not that it will be a recording marathon for you. No, but for us, we're we're getting f- two big reps and two little reps yes. out today. I wonder. All the reps. How exercise. Long it'll be. All the reps. Exercise. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I'm tired. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how these go. I mean, we're going to if if we're very silly by the second little reputation then uh mm-hmm. <laughs> well for for reference it's 12 o'clock now yes so in the afternoon not at night yeah oh my god <laughs> could you, you imagine? imagine no no i me? could physically not me i just yeah we're, we don't I stay up that to. late <laughs> i used to be able to stay up that late and now it's just like oh is it nine o'clock Oof, it's late i felt re- rebellious last night being out until like 11 30 11 45 i was like Woo! Ouch. yeah oh. i didn't get home until like 11 30 11 45 wow i feel like if i'm out i'm like in someone's home that late like i'm never just like in the streets <laughs> not that you were in the streets that's my uh that's that's how i get extra money uh, on the side uh no i was at i was at the bar with my softball team and Sex we were just hanging work. out it is it is actually speaking of um <laughs> i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to double check if i leave this in but um one of the sisters texted the group chat yesterday and was like guys guys there's five of us i think we could like really break into the foot photo market here and make some money (laughs) take pictures of our feet and like make lots of money we can have different kinds of feet (laughs) we'll split it five ways why does it need to be five of you i don't know because you could like put a bunch of feet in one picture i don't know is there a market for like sister feet feet, right (laughs) like i don't know probably i'm interested in like how this works not in doing it oh, yeah like, right my right feet that much yeah. it'd be weird <laughs> actually i mean i think i'm so indifferent about my feet that i probably wouldn't care there's feet for everyone too like some people want the like natural feet i was gonna say if you guys are looking for some diversity in this i'm in yeah <laughs> some feet that Six don't glow feet. in the dark that don't glow in the dark like ours all do because <laughs> we're white that's, that's and our and our feet are like wrapped up all the time like in shoes you know Except Ashley, she wears flip flops like twenty four seven. Wow, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so right as Kim got here, my doorbell rang, and she's like, "What is that? Like, are you going to answer that? Like, why? Why would you like go to your door, kind of thing?" What? I didn't say that. I said everyone you love is already here. <laughs> okay, it's like I wasn't paranoid of the door. People are, you know. Some people like the doorbell rings, and they're like, "I'm not answering it. I'm not. It's not happening." I get that because it's like if I don't already know, and I didn't know exactly who, but. Because we can't see about because we can't see if it's packages or not. I just go down, and once in a while, it's somebody wanting money, and I just tell them that I'm a poor adjunct, and I'm like, not like what, like like the Children's International people, not like. random beggars in the street with little trigger cups coming to your front door i'm like what is go this is park slope what is going on also how dare they ring your door like that's i didn't think that was allowed well it 
it might not be Children's International specifically, but it's like organizations like that Ew. will come. Um, sometimes also, the basketball, like, oh, I'm raising money for my basketball team. Those people will come. I feel um, like everyone's case in the joint. Like, that seems... Yeah, well, that's a reason to answer the door because now they know I'm here and you're not coming in. You're not breaking in. They're like, I can take her. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> How many people live in this uh, house? Uh, yeah. Any of them do CrossFit? Like, they're they're checking out. That's two, so weird. two people in their 40s and a woman in her 80s <laughs> and, a, and a Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> they're like mad robbable. But then you said that you work in education and like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to steal. <laughs> what do I want? Books? Okay, honestly, what were we talking about before no. they just started roasting you? <laughs> but, um, it was my stitch fix oh yes yeah it was my stitch fix that came through so it was like i i love stitch fix time it's like not a promo but go ahead and promo us please yeah and then send us free stuff please yeah so like i used to do a different box and then i lost enough weight to like be able to get into stitch fix because like they have a, a limit um and i was like oh Rebecca has nice stuff and she does stitch fix. So like, let's see. And then you like gave me your thing and like, I got a promo code and you got a promo code and they've been sending the best stuff lately. Like how how often do you do yours? Well, because it's new and I'm like eager about it. Um, I did a box in what month are we in June? And then I just did one in July. Okay. Um, so I got two like kind of roughly back to back. Like it was like the end of June, like beginning of July. Um, and now I pause it until like September because like I don't need anything really until fall. But yeah. they sent me like in both boxes, there was like a jumpsuit in each. And I was like, mm, fucking jumpsuit. They look so good. I think I'm a jumpsuit person now. Yeah. Uh, they look so good on me. And I'm just like amazed. Yeah, I'm the same way because like I, I'm always like I have to go to the bathroom like 800 times a day. And if I'm in public, that means I got to take like the whole thing off and everything. But, you know, but they sent me a summer one. With mm-hmm. like uh, no sleeves, and I love it. It is so comfortable. It's yeah. got pockets. It's just I love yes, it. Yes, that's the thing too. The pockets is amazing. So the one that I have that I've worn so far, it's got like spaghetti straps, and I wore it with like a um, like a little t-shirt underneath it because like my office is freezing. So I didn't have to sit there like topless <laughs> when yeah. I went to the bathroom. So I was like, oh, this is nice. But like I was so aware of how often I went to the bathroom because it was like, well, take this trap down, take that trap down. It is a whole thing, but it looks so cute. Yeah, that, so I'm that super did excited. look really cute on you. Yeah. I liked that. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're good. One of the things I had to say to them, though, was like, stop sending me things that I can't put in the washing machine. <laughs> oh, wait, like, like what? Occasionally there would be like a shirt that was like hand wash only or whatever. Oh. And some of them I ignore that with, but others, like for a while I was washing a lot of things by hand. And then I realized a lot of them said that I could wash machine wash them, but like hang dry or whatever. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's fine. That's what I do with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's what we do. Um, I should start checking tags because I seriously don't. I'm just like, washing machine. Hey, if it doesn't get ruined, then washing machine is fine. I think they, they're just covering their asses. You know, they, yeah. they, they're like extra cautious on that. Yeah, I usually don't dry it if I, if I don't know if it dries well. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. That's mm. smart. But yeah, I'm really excited to try on the things afterward and see what I decide to keep. But I'm, I, I'm glad you like it too yes. because... Um, I know you had been kind of off the subscription boxes for a yeah, while. because the other box I had, like, they started out real strong, and then it was just like, womp womp, why are you sending me things that 
are so old looking but mm. also are like two hundred dollars like do you, you have the stitch fix app on your phone no i'm not doing that i'm not well, putting any more apps on my phone okay wait should but, i no but you could just go to their website yeah, that's, that's fine too but they have the like style shuffle and it's oh, basically yeah. like a dating app for clothing you like oh, yeah. thumbs up and thumbs down things i <laughs> love the swiping left and right on things like i I'm happily married. But if you have Tinder and you're like, mm, I don't care, let me swipe for you. I love the swiping. <laughs> I love just being like, yes, no, yes, no. To people. I love it so much. I love swiping for people. Well, that's why I like doing the style shuffle because they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, accessories, sweaters, jeans, yeah. you know, and then you just go through a whole bunch. You're like, yes, yes, no, no, no. <laughs> I like the instant. I don't know what it's even called. Just like the decision factor. Like it feels like a game. Yes. I'm into the it. The gamification of. Yes. Like, mm hmm. Of 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 learning who I am, <laughs> which is a little creepy, but you know. Anyway, I'm glad you like it, and I'm mm-hmm. glad you're finding good stuff. And Stitch Fix, be a sponsor, please. Be a sponsor, and then send us free things. I mean, I've also bought like two. I'll things take some separately. money. <laughs> yeah, fine. we can buy things with it, but you know, I bought like a purse separately and um, a shirt. I think so. Something separately, I bought through there, and I was okay. like, I oh, I ended up returning it because it was like. Had like a kind of corsetti top, Ooh, and like, but it didn't work. No, it was like, oh, I would have to if I have to buy a different bra to wear something. I'm not wearing it. I hear you. No, I have the no, bras that completely. I have. They're expensive. I'm not, and I'm not doing a strapless bra. Like, yeah, well, absolutely not. I just don't wear bras with some of them. But Must be nice. Yeah, I don't it have is. That option. It is until you sweat because there's nothing to catch the under boob sweat. <laughs> I get it just rolls down. Like it just like puddles like underneath your boob because there's nothing to absorb the sweat under your boobs oh, wow. so then you like tuck your shirt under to wipe it out and then like now there's you've a got line like the of sweat sweat <laughs> that's so funny and now you all know about boob sweat <laughs> most of you probably already knew because you live it <laughs> yes oh my god speaking of women oversharing in an entertaining way okay mm, that segue was good there's a movie called joyride yeah i saw the preview um it's directed by adele lim who also did crazy rich asians okay I loved it. All right. Is it streaming or is it in theaters? No, it's in theaters. But like things Go are see coming. things in theaters. We'll talk yes. about that in a minute. But things are coming to streaming like very, like there's a terrible, I mean, I, I'm not promoing this at all, but The Flash is going to be streaming like next week. Yeah, that's because it did shit because like nobody wanted to see it because there's a friggin' criminal in it. Whatever. I, d- I can't believe it even mm. got a theatrical release, let alone like I'm seeing ads for it on my, my like I have, what do I have? Like amazon fire or something yeah and i'm just like what the hell is this i'm like don't show me this shit and also wow that was quick how is this streaming already do you remember like when you something was in the theater you had to wait like a year or two years before it came to vhs or dvd (laughs) and you had to go to sam goody and be like can i see your list of like coming soon features yeah and you have to check the date and be like can i put this on hold i remember there was a list and they would hand it to you I'm old. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. But, but yeah, like things come so like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the third one is going to be streaming August 2nd, I believe. Okay. And I enjoyed that. And I was like. That was a little while. That was before The Flash maybe, at least. Yeah. Maybe like was it three months? I feel like I still feel like super quick. Yeah. I have no concept of time. Because I was like, but didn't that come out at Christmas? It definitely did not come out at Christmas. But no. I don't <laughs> remember. No. Because they had a holiday special. I think that's they what did, I was thinking which I of. missed completely. And there was like some crucial information in that one. And I was like, you can't just put out a holiday special 
And then like, it's like I see the third movie and I'm like, oh, I needed to watch that. But that's, that's like Marvel. Sean, that's Sean's biggest pet peeve about Mar- Marvel <laughs> you is that you have everything. to watch everything. But like you can't put, I'm not going to spoil it, but like they put something big, a connection, a big connection in there. And I only know because like I went to Alamo early and they had like what you might have missed on Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. So like they showed me there and I was like, oh. I'm glad I know that now because I would have had no clue when they mention it in the third movie. I would have been very confused. Okay. Well, now we know. Yes. We have to watch that first. Yes. And I mean, if you have Disney Plus, it's on there. But anyway, Joyride. Back to that. Very, very good. It's um, all Asian cast, all women. It's produced by Seth Rogen. So it's got like... Random, this, but yeah, okay. He's, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of stuff. He's doing the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing too. So everything has like this, uh, it's like this element of like raunchiness to it that I have definitely missed in film and like raunchiness from women. I love that. So That's fun. why I loved Bridesmaids. Yes. I feel like we have it. And like raunchiness from Asian women, we never see that. No, so like right? it's, it's unexpected. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. And we are all about sending people to the theaters because, yes. you know, I was listening to someone from the WGA talk about the strike, which we'll talk about a little bit more. And we'll talk about now. Um, but they were saying that like please go see things like we can't promo things but go see them in theaters because Mm -hmm. theaters are already struggling enough to stay open and they make most of their money off of like concessions Mm -hmm. and stuff so like keep going to see that like you know and and they're even saying they're not calling for a boycott of the streamers right now so you know we can keep streaming things. We can keep watching things. We just, you know, we're we're cautious of how we discuss certain topics. Yes. So, but I just wonder how long this will all go on. Like, did you? Oh, I don't know what studio it was in front of, but like, they cut the trees down. Universal. So they w- they yes. have shade, and that's great. That's the shadiest but thing ever. L- <laughs> wow! Wow. <laughs> um la county is actually going after them though because they didn't have permits to cut the trees or something there's some tree law in in la county wow well i mean good good for them pay that fine because how cruel of a thing to do oh but they can pay that fine but they can't pay their their workers right oh yeah Mm. we we got we got opinions on on the sag and the wga strikes and we are fully in support of both yeah, of these give them organizations their money. don't try and make everything ai because ai is fucking weird like the things that i've been hearing that they want to do like they want to do like all the background actor actors like ai like yeah, you record s- them once you get yeah. paid a flat rate and then they can use you in, per- in perpetuity which is insane because what if you like blow up and you're this huge star and now they just use your face for whatever they want yeah, and they paid no, you one that, exactly and they paid you one flat fee for it mm-hmm. and now you could be making millions and they're like oh but no you're gonna be in this commercial for Hanes because we wanted to put you in it like yeah that's no, insane they need, they, the, the AI stuff is like it's out of control they they need to they need to cut that out right now <laughs> like yeah. that and and you know what I if you have the funds to support, like they, they have collections that they're doing mm-hmm. for some of the actors and writers who are going without uh, fine, like money right now. They don't have any income. If you can support that, yeah. please go and do that because we're here for them to hold out as long as it takes for the, the, um, you know, studios to come the to studios, their senses. Yeah, exactly. Or to be like, bullied into doing the right thing i guess for lack of a better way but there is one studio that is being allowed to make films mm-hmm. and that's a24 and people are like well why can they make them but like yeah. no one else can 
apparently they have accepted all of the terms of the SAG AFTRA requests and they just accepted them. They said, yes, as you want them, we awesome. are accepting them fully. And boom, here it is. So they can also, keep make films. That seems super on brand for them. Right. That seems but so on brand if, for them. If a studio like A24 can do it. Yes. I'm sorry, Disney. Disney can have oh, Disney has so much goddamn money. Disney can absolutely do it. They can absolutely do it. It's very frustrating because like all I want is like original stories and like good acting and like you don't want to pay the people to do it and that's frustrating to me because you make so much more money off of it. Like I've been hearing about like AI like storytelling which I haven't seen an example of. Like I don't know of anything that there's actually a show that's written completely in AI but I would assume that it wouldn't be good. Right. And the things that are good that are making money are written by people. Well and here's my thought. They're probably going to be like AI will write like the first draft and then they'll hire editors mm, to, to like come in and, and clean it up and make it comprehensive. So the thing is AI is just plagiarism they're just yeah. taking all of this work that's already been created by humans who actually mm -hmm. know things i also heard that they're like there's something with google and like scraping things off of your um google drives and so stuff. my job is like um concerned because we have a lot of things and our like our whole thing is on google drives so <laughs> When we started seeing that, like, uh, my coworker saw it and then mentioned it to my boss. And he was like, oh, hey, um, can you email that to me? Because he was, like, very concerned. So we're, like, we're wondering if it, if it, we have, like, a big corporate paid account, clearly. So I don't know if they're doing that for that. But, like, there's student information on there. So, right. like, it would be a real issue. And it's going to be so hard to, like, undo all of it. But, like, I know a lot of people who write, like, they write novels or whatever and yeah. they use google docs on also, it because um, our whole our whole thing yeah our whole podcast our whole is podcast on is on it mm -hmm. yeah and yeah anyway <sighs> support the unions support the strikes don't get mad at the actors or the writers get yeah. mad at the studios don't be like mm, actors make so much money because a lot of them don't no like the regular ones you see and stuff they don't even TV. make enough to make health insurance and you only need you need less than thirty thousand yeah twenty six twenty six thousand dollars yeah yeah that is not anything anyone can live off of anyone <laughs> music has been stolen like that for yeah. for decades and we're not talking about like the spotify stuff at like in that regard we're talking about people taking people's music and using it in their own media i don't like it and i i feel like bamboozled because i'm like i so the girl from um it's the last thing we'll say about it. i cannot remember her name from orange is the new black i think her last name is green let me look it up it's not it's denai guerrera it's no, the like other one or something oh yeah she showed her statement and she it was did, like yeah. 27 dollars for like 60 episodes of Orange is the New Black or something and like how much she got based on how often each episode streamed and most of the episodes were like pennies per yes Kimco Glenn I was way off Kimco Glenn when she posted about you know her residual check that you just mentioned I watched that show religiously and I've watched it multiple times and it's like oh the more I watch something the more these actors get paid like I feel like I'm helping and I'm not yeah. so it feels like you know, instead of like illegally downloading something where they make no money, I think I'm doing a good thing by like keeping a streaming service, but they're not even really getting paid from it. So it feels like what's the point of not just downloading this thing if you're not going to pay your actors? Like, why yeah. would I have? I already have huge issues with Netflix. Like, I don't like having it. They charge too much. And now I've like reduced my service on them. And then it 
it reduced my access to things and they I wasn't told that I was going to lose access to things before reducing and now I'm like why do I have this at all wow yeah wow so it's if you have, go down to the lowest tier there are certain shows you can't see and I'm watching currently like you can't watch like stranger things or something no you can watch the walking dead which is weird to me because that's the only show that I'm watching right now I'm doing a rewatch of it and I can't watch it now that I've gone down to like the seven ninety nine a month plan yeah wow so okay this is a tale we'll get to we'll get to who we're going to talk about in a second but this is a tale so i was like all right netflix i'm i don't want to pay too much money for you anymore let me lower myself down to the lower lowest tier and then so like the walking dead is my gym show so i get to the gym i open up my my uh, app and then it has a big lock on the walking dead and i was like what the hell is this what is this about and then i read that like oh this is not part of like your tier and is I'm it like, you can only get like netflix original things or? i have no clue because it's the list is changing and it's not everything because i could watch uh black mirror i could watch orange is the new black i could watch all these random things but those are netflix shows yes right then i couldn't watch like um what is the name of that movie with sarah jessica parker and matthew mcconaughey failure to launch i couldn't watch that why because it's not a netflix original i have no clue and th- I could watch almost everything else. The list oh, is super weird. short. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if like they. Maybe it's, it's a not deal a, with, the, with the studio. So that's what I thought. And then I was like, we went to that woman in horror thing. Um, they were talking about Shudder. And I was like, oh, I should just get Shudder. Like, that's a good app. Like, I like horror movies. I'll get that. And they had a, a thing. It's like a- AMC Plus with Shudder. And it's like Walking Dead Universe. And I was like, bet. Everything I want is right there. I'll get that. So I got like the seven day trial waited the longest time to look at it because i was like i everything i want's here it's fine like the night of the seventh day i'm watching it and i'm like oh you know maybe i'll just watch i'm not at the gym but let me like watch an episode of the walking dead the walking dead is not on the app it's the walking dead universe so it's everything else except for the walking dead i almost my head almost exploded i was just like what do you mean like, how does this make sense? How is it the Walking Dead universe and it doesn't doesn't include the thing and that created it? And you know they don't it. release this shit on DVD anymore, no. so you can't even just so, buy it to have for yourself. I mean, but also, like, I want to, like, take it on the go with me. So I was like, okay, I got rid of that streaming service, so now I'm, I just still can't watch it. And this was, like, a week of my life where I was just like, I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to do it, like, legally and, like, go through all these streaming things when... In reality, I could have just illegally downloaded it and put it on my phone and I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to do the right thing and now I just haven't watched The Walking Dead in like a month because of everything. <sighs> I think we need to... <laughs> I think so that's, that's my tale of just being inconvenienced by streaming services because yeah. they're all different and they don't have like... They're not transparent about what they have and what they no. don't have. And they're not transparent about how their shows do yeah. So people in terms of knowing whether their show is getting renewed, they don't have concrete numbers to mm-hmm. look at either. So that's, yeah, it's, it's absurd. But I think maybe we should like maybe go back a little bit in time before the streamers all came out and talk about our, our woman of the hour. Yes. <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing Anna Nicole Smith from her early life to her first marriage and from the moment she meets her second husband until her untimely death. We'll look at her career in modeling and film and consider what the media had to say about her and her body. Then we'll break down some of the names she was called and the labels she was assigned in order to uncover the realities of her life. Finally, we'll look back at her untimely death and the circumstances that might have put her in that situation in the first place. So just some trigger warnings for mentions of sexual assault, uh, drugs, 
drug overdose, and eating disorders. Anna Cole Smith was actually born Vicki Lynn Hogan on November 28, 1967 in Houston, Texas. Her mother, Virgie, was a police officer raising her and her younger brother in Mejia, Texas. Her father was unknown to her growing up. Smith's home life was less than desirable. While the accounts of her childhood have changed over the years, what we know is that she only lived with her mother part time. In the Netflix documentary, You Don't Know Me, we see footage of an early interview with Smith where she says that her home life wasn't good with her mother and stepfather and this led her to spending time at her aunt's house. She goes on to say, I'd rather not talk about my home life. Her uncle, by marriage, speaks of a time when Smith was only 14 and came to stay with them because an older man Smith was in quote unquote infatuated with kept coming to the house. He was 29, and the uncle nailed Smith's windows shut to keep her from getting out. So can I just say, like, five minutes into this documentary, I knew what was up, and I didn't like it. It's like that TikTok sound, like, immediately no. I've seen what I needed to see. Do you know that TikTok sound? I don't. Justin Bieber? Anyway, I'll send him one to you later. Um, but it's just like immediately no. I've seen what I need to see and I'm out. There's a lot of adults talking about how this little girl loved attention. And I got to say, if a 29-year-old won't stop hanging out with your teenager to the point of nailing the window shut to keep him out, you should be calling the cops. Like, don't put that on her. No, It seems exactly. really unnecessary. She is a child here. Yeah. So by the time Smith was 15, she dropped out of high school. It happened in a weird way. She ended up getting into a fight with this boy and he like punched her in the face and broke her nose. Um, She was expelled. He was expelled. The issue worked itself out and the school was like, you can come back. But she was like, no, I'm good. And she like declined to go back. Um, So she started working at Jim's Crispy Fried Chicken. And I realized the crispy is spelled with a K. So it's Jim's KFC. Uh Uh-huh. Jim was a genius. (laughs) (laughs) so she worked there for four years she was a waitress and then a fry cook so here she met billy wayne smith the two fell madly in love and got married when he was 16 and she was 17 after a year of marriage smith gave birth to her son daniel wayne smith on january 22nd 1986 she was unsatisfied with her marriage and with living in her hometown so she filed for divorce and moved with her son to the much bigger houston texas She got a job at a strip club and a Walmart. She was struggling to make ends meet for Daniel and herself. One way to make more money at the strip club is to have bigger boobs. And so she went under the knife and got double D implants. Around this time, she met a man named J. Howard Marshall. He was a widow who came into the strip club looking for companionship. The two formed a fast friendship. They started spending time together outside of the club. He met and started spending time with her son as well. Marshall was a billionaire. He made his money in the oil business. Marshall, was, Marshall began giving Smith gifts like a house, car, and jewelry. Marshall asked Smith to marry him, but she turned him down, saying she needed to make it big on her own first. She had dreams and didn't want people to call her a gold digger. She wanted to make the money herself. His counteroffer was to adopt her son so that he would be taken care of. Marshall was very close to him. Daniel often called him dad, and they did activities together. But Marshall's adult son didn't approve of any of this, so he shut down talk of adoption and tried to keep Smith out of the house. Looking to take a chance on those big dreams, in 1992, Smith sent in photos of herself to Playboy. They loved the photos and wanted her for the March cover. This led to her being the May's centerfold playmate, which is a huge deal and a big honor. It's the centerfold being like the main part of the magazine. Like mm-hmm. That's like, what is that song? Na, 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 na. Angel is a centerfold. Yeah, like the centerfold is like the most important part. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the what you're going to just like naturally open the magazine up 
to the middle because of the way the staple works. I, I mean, I guess that works for like Playboy, but that doesn't work for like any other magazine. Because like you're going to want to read stories and stuff like, you know. Well, eventually you go back and you start, but like the natural place to open it up and, and then you get the, that one page is uninterrupted, like the way they print True, it. It's like right? a whole flow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a magazine scientist. <laughs> That's just paper. <laughs> <laughs> not a paper scientist. Anyway, a modeling scout for Guess Jeans reached out to Playboy to inquire about this beautiful curvy blonde. They signed her to a three-year contract to be the new face of Guess Jeans. They also helped her pick a stage name. Vicky Lynn Hogan-Smith was not global enough, according to Paul Morciano, the co-founder of Guess. He suggests that Smith take a new name instead of going by Vicky or her other nickname, Nikki. Smith said that she had always liked the name Anna, and Paul elongated her name to to include Nicole, paired with her married last name. So Anna Nicole Smith was born. But like, honestly, what is the difference? Vicky Lynn, Anna Nicole, like they both seem pretty basic to me. Like, no, I feel like Vicky Lynn sounds like she owns cows <laughs> for sure. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I've known someone named Vicky and her middle name might have even been Lynn. One of my sisters can confirm this for me. And she definitely did not own cows. I, it, she, it sounds she, like country to me. Anna it sounds a little bit more even like European kind of. I don't know. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound like you're from the Bible Belt. Like Vicky Lynn absolutely sounds like you work at Walmart and then you have a cow. <laughs> And that's not anything negative, but it definitely wrong just with sounds doing like either of those no, two things. but it definitely <laughs> sounds like a southern name. Mm -hmm. And if she was looking to like expand out, like I could, I like the name change. I think Anna Nicole Smith sounds really pretty. All right. Yeah. So the guest campaign was as big as Smith's personality, and it was different, and people loved it. She wasn't a polished runway model. She was five ten and one hundred and fifty pounds, not the typical body type that people were used to seeing on billboards. But there she was. Smith was also clearly new to the world of fame and money. In an interview in 1992, she stated, I didn't know what guest jeans were. I just shopped at Walmart and Kmart and stuff like that. Smith was a celebrity of the people. The press loved her and she was generous with her time, making sure to stop and sign things for the paparazzi and reporters. They loved her back, shouting compliments and giving her gifts. So Smith is on cloud nine. She's a Playboy Playmate of the Year. So basically at the end of the year, one of the 12 Playmates of the Month is named Playmate of the Year. So we couldn't find out who votes or how it's chosen. It's probably just Hugh Hefner being like, who's the hottest? But every Playmate of the Year is awarded a prize of $25,000 plus a very fancy car. It's leased, so they get it for a year. Um, and a party in their honor. Oh, bummer, because I was like, I would just sell the car and then no, like have even least. more. It's like a really fancy car, but it's like a one-year lease. Gotcha. As we mentioned earlier, Smith didn't know who her father was. Her parents divorced before she was born and her father left town. But as an adult, Smith was able to find him via a private investigator. The investigator located her father, Donald Eugene Hogan, and brother Donnie. Smith paid for them to be flown out to see her in Hollywood. In archive footage in that documentary that we mentioned earlier, Smith is over the moon excited. She keeps yelling, my daddy, my brother, my daddy, my brother. They are seen spending the day together, taking pictures in her limo, sightseeing, and even going to Disneyland. The trip is set to end with them being her guest at the Playmate of the Year party. Smith is excited to introduce her newfound family to her son and Hugh Hefner and to give them a tour of the Playboy Mansion. 
After the party, her brother and her father leave and are not seen again. But Anna is shaken for days. In the documentary, a close friend of Anna at the time alleges that after the party, Donald Hogan tried to force himself sexually on Smith. Yeah, so her father allegedly tried to rape her. That's repulsive. That's disgusting. It's horrendous. Yeah. Her brother, Donnie, who is also in the documentary, explains that he was 16 when his father told him that he had raped his wife's sister, who was a child at the time. Like, this would be the aunt that helped raise Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. Hogan pleaded guilty to the rape of Smith's aunt and another teenage girl and spent six months in jail. Yeah. You know, a whole six months. My eyes are exploding. Six months. Six months. That's all he got. When telling about the incident on camera for the first time, Donnie, the brother, is shocked, but also not shocked. So he tells the documentary producers, this is what he says. He assaulted her. That would be like him. But is it true? It couldn't be. I was there every step of the way. And then he trails off, clearly trying to recall these events. And he says, but you know what? I wouldn't put it past him. I guess I wasn't there the whole time, so it could be true. And he was also probably pretty young. I don't yeah, know. He was, mm, I can't gauge how old. He was definitely under maybe 20. He looks young. Yeah. Yeah. Smith didn't see or speak to that side of the family again. But friends noticed that she was different after they had met. So it's 1994, and it had its ups and downs for Smith. She was in two films this year, The Hudsucker Proxy, a Coen Brothers film, and Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Final Insult. It is the third installment of a franchise crime spoof movie. It's got, like, Liam, not Liam Nelson. What's the guy's no. name? Um, Leslie Nielsen? Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever seen any of those? No. I don't they don't look funny. They, they, but they don't look funny yeah, to I don't me at know. all. <laughs> they I, wouldn't be my vibe. <laughs> no, I know they're very big at the time, but I was just like, mm, these look dumb. And yeah. I was like, maybe I'll watch the one that she was in, but <sighs> there like are it. so many other things to do with your life. <laughs> I know. I, I've seen the Hudsucker proxy, but like I just I don't know if I'm gonna watch this. So like both of these films, like I said, were super popular and they made Smith a household name. On February 12th, 1994, Smith was hospitalized for three days after mixing prescription drugs and alcohol. She was found collapsed at a Beverly Hills hotel. After being released, Smith said she was taking prescription drugs for migraines and insomnia. I had Vicodin and Xanax. Uh, Those are prescription drugs that I have to take, she said. I mean, I don't consider that hard drugs. It doesn't make me high. I've been taking it for years. It just helps my headaches. There was some bad press, but this mostly blew over and things are pretty quiet until June 27th, 1994. That is when Smith and J. Howard Marshall tied the knot. The relationship wasn't really known to Hollywood. Smith was looking to make a name for herself and didn't want people to think that she got there because of his money. Marshall had been asking Smith to marry him for years, and now was the time. According to People magazine, Smith and Marshall married at the White Dove Wedding Chapel in Houston. The White Dove owner told people that Smith wore a very low-cut white satin gown and was quite gorgeous. I do like the shade of being like, it was super low-cut. But I feel like when you have double Ds and you wear anything that's not a turtleneck, it's going to be low-cut. Yeah. Anyway, so according to Texas Monthly Magazine... She get my subscription to that. <laughs> Texas Monthly Magazine. Smith's family members actually booked the wedding for her and Marshall in an effort to avoid media attention. They told the owner that money was no object to create their perfect day. It was an all-white everything, with Marshall wearing a white tuxedo 
and Smith walking down the aisle atop white roses. Whole buds, not petals. The whole bud. Well, I mean, he's a billionaire, so even if they booked the wedding, I'm sure his money was behind it. Yeah. (laughs) So her son Daniel was the ring bearer, and the wedding reception featured champagne and chocolate cake. Well, that ruins it. Why do you have chocolate cake? And then all white. Everything is white, and then all of a sudden there's a chocolate cake. Because chocolate cake is superior to (laughs) vanilla cake. It would have been so boring. It just it just seems like visually it would throw things off. That's all. The aesthetic. But deliciously. Okay. You can have that. Yes. All all I want is champagne and chocolate (laughs) cake. I would like to have some of that tonight. The couple's marriage and the 63-year age difference became a joke across the pop culture world. When before she was seen as spontaneous and eccentric, now she was considered weird. She was 26 and he was 89. After only six months, Marshall fell ill and his younger son, Pierce, obtained power of attorney over his father's affairs. His first act was to limit Smith's access to his father, physically and financially. Smith's cards were canceled, and at one point she was only allowed to see her husband for a 30-minute visit. The family said it was because of doctor's instructions, but she was heartbroken. Yeah, okay, the doctor says, we, everyone else can see him, but you can only see him a half hour at a time? Yeah. No. Bullshit. During one particular visit in January of 1995, Smith was spoon-feeding him chicken broth. He allegedly choked and needed to be hospitalized. At the time, he had stomach cancer and was only supposed to use a feeding tube. After this incident, Marshall's son Pierce hired armed guards to prevent Smith from accessing her husband. Like, I feel like this was a really chill. Yeah, this was a really unfortunate mistake. Like, he was probably like, "Ugh, this food is terrible and I hate it. I wish I could have something else. And she was like, okay, I'll give you like a little bit of, because it's broth. Like, it's not like she brought him fried chicken. Like, she gave him chicken broth and like, not chickens, like, smooth ass yeah well here's my other thought like if she was only spent 30 minutes of visit with him maybe she was unaware of this true and yeah tried to give him like something gentle or whatever yeah, or you know? more substantial she probably like he probably was really thin and she's like you need to eat more than this you know yeah because she wasn't given enough information or enough time so marshall died from pneumonia on august 4th 1995 smith was in las vegas shooting a movie called to the limit when she was told of his death she was barred from attending the family's memorial, so she had one of her own. According to People magazine, Smith wore a low-cut white gown. It was her wedding gown. I've seen pictures. With her wedding veil for the funeral. With her then-nine-year-old son, Daniel, wearing a white tuxedo. They both sang Wind Beneath My Wings to the casket. So sad. Like, that's his wife and, like, even even if the age difference is kind of weird to mm-hmm. people or whatever, like he had been caring to her for many years yes. at that point. It wasn't yeah. just like she Googled billionaire, let me marry, you know, mm-hmm. like they had known each other in real life. Yeah, at this point that. for a while now they had known each other. Mm-hmm. Marshall's death was only the beginning. Smith and her husband's family fought about everything. The first trip to court was over what to do with Marshall's remains. He ended up being cremated, his ashes divided between his widow and his son. Pierce was the main beneficiary and Smith wasn't in the will. But she states that Marshall had verbally promised her half of everything. Smith sued Pierce in Texas for $475 million, half of the late oil tycoon's estate. Marshall's son... E. Pierce Marshall, who inherited almost the entire estate, argued that his father had already his father had already been adequately generous to Smith, showering her with gifts and treating her to a lavish lifestyle, saying that it should end there. 
Okay. Um, I just I just have this thing, and maybe mm-hmm. it's like a Texas thing or what. But was they were from Texas as well? Yeah. Yeah. Why give someone a first name if you're not going to use it? Oh, the E. Like it's like no one uses it. It's you like, know, it's probably like Edward or something stupid. Like it's something like real stereotypical. So like, why not just use it? I'm I thinking it was Edgar. Oh, maybe. <laughs> but I don't know. But even like his name is Jay. Oh yeah. Whatever. Like. He's not used. I had a friend from Texas whose name, like he went by his middle name too. And I'm like, what is the point of yeah, like, why that? don't you just give them like, at least with your husband, people, some people call him one name. Some people call him another. Yeah, that is weird. I never even thought about that, but you're right. I've seen that a bunch. It's, where it's I mean, just it's, like, maybe it's a very Southern thing and to differentiate you from. Because you're probably all named after the same dude. But he has another son who's also Jay something the third or whatever. Yeah, his other son is named after him. But maybe like he's named after, maybe E is like their grandfather. But like you wouldn't need to differentiate because I'm sure like the grandfather's dead. Like, <laughs> I mean, if the father is 89 or yeah. whatever. <laughs> the grandfather is a ghost. Like you can, you can reuse that name. It's fine. That is weird. Yeah. If Are you from Texas? Tell us what, what this is about. Yes, please. Fill us in. So this court case was rough and it was televised. On our episode about Marsha Clark, we spoke about the power of a televised courtroom and how the O.J. Simpson trial changed the way the cameras in courts functioned. This case was proof of that as the case became must-see TV. Ugh. Like, don't... Uh, yeah. Anyway. Rusty Harden, Pierce's lawyer, made it his mission to make Smith look vapid and like a typical gold digger. And Smith, well, sadly, she made it easy to do so. While on the stand, Harden asked Smith, how do you spend $100,000 a week? Anna Nicole responded, Rusty, you have to understand, it's very expensive being me. Smith was having a hard time during questioning and started crying. Harden asks, Miss Marshall, have you been taking new acting lessons? To which Anna replied, screw you, Rusty. It was infamous. Like, it was everywhere. Do you remember, like, seeing that soundbite anywhere or seeing that, seeing that clip anywhere? No, I don't. I don't remember that clip in particular, but I do remember that, like, the whole thing was such a to-do. Yeah. So the courtroom antics became fodder for late night shows and newspaper headlines. Anna ended up losing that case in September of 1997. The ruling declared that Pierce was the sole heir and also shut out Marshall's oldest son, your favorite, J. Howard Marshall III. I mean, this E. Pierce yeah. is like, like even cutting out other siblings. I mean, I don't know what the oldest son's deal was. Yeah. Maybe he was... Maybe I, because I, I, from what I, I gathered, Pierce was like in the business with him, and maybe J. Howard Marshall was like, "I'm gonna go be a teacher or something," and he wasn't in the oil business, so he wasn't. As so close the guy who needed the money doesn't get it. Got it. <laughs> We're just making up but his it's also story a anyway. Different so. marriage, so like they had different moms. Oh, so this uh, Pierce is from his second marriage. Got it. Yes. Outside the courtroom, things weren't going well either. Smith's modeling agency, William Morris, dropped her, and her career was just basically at a standstill. At this point, Smith was getting treatment for substance abuse. She was legally prescribed a larger amount of medicine to address everything from migraines to stomach problems and back pains from the implants to seizures. The meds caused her to gain weight. This, combined with the loss of her husband and the very public courtroom spotlight, caused her to check into the Betty Ford Center, a rehab facility. 
In February of 1996, Smith got out of rehab and went right back into court. This time it was California Bankruptcy Court. She also had a better representation in the form of a new lawyer named Howard K. Stern. Her first lawyer definitely dropped the public relations ball, which led the court and the public to see Smith as some sort of joke. Stern helped to clean up her image. So bankruptcy court is like kind of wild because Anna was able to declare bankruptcy and she stated it was because of her being financially cut off. Look, she couldn't pay because her income that she was used to was taken away. The judge agreed with her, stating, the court finds that Pierce Marshall interfered with Ricky Marshall's expectancy of inheritance, which she would have otherwise obtained under Texas state law. She was awarded nearly $474 million in September of 2000. Of course, Pierce files an appeal. In March of 2001, a Houston, Texas jury rules that Smith is not entitled to half of her husband's estate. By May of the same year, a Los Angeles judge threw out the ruling in Smith's bankruptcy case. After an appeal from Smith in March of 2002, she was awarded $88 million of her late husband's fortune, plus $44 million in punitive damages. That's like so much back and forth after such a long period of time, like having to go into court and like keep having the same conversation. Like I feel like you would lose what you were even talking about in the first place. In the year of 2002, all this money was hypothetical and basically pending appeal. But Anna had real bills and real mouths to feed. So she enters the world of reality TV with the Anna Nicole show. Do you remember the theme song? Did you ever see this show? No, never. So I watched it and the theme song was like, is elongated. But the part that I remember is Anna, 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 Nicole. She's so outrageous. And it was like a cartoon version of her dressed like Marilyn Monroe with like a little dog. Like in Bewitch style animation? Yes, yes. I think I do remember the imagery for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the show followed Smith as she attempts to return to Hollywood, lose weight, and raise her son. The cast included her son, Daniel, who's a teenager now, her lawyer, Howard K. Stern, her assistant, Kimmy Weller, and her black poodle, Sugar Pie. Sugar Pie? I love cute dog names. (laughs) This is a call to anybody who has a cute dog name. Tell me it. I met a dog named Jacuzzi the other day. I loved it. I met a dog named Lunchbox. Oh my God. I love cute dog names. I met, I was on a walk with my dog, Peter Barker, and we met a Walter White. Insane. Insane. (laughs) And then me and this girl, I was just like, I was like, we're such cool creative people. And she's like, we fucking are. And I was like, yes, we are. And now you have a new best friend. (laughs) I just have to, I'll I'll keep walking in that area and see if I see her again. But it was just. Give her the card next time. Walter White. We mentioned your dog on our podcast. She's going to be like, I'm suing you. (laughs) You owe us money now. He was cute. And he was like a little white, like Maltese. So cute. Um, Anyway, if you got a cute dog name, tell me it. So back to Anna and her show. So her son, Daniel, he hated having the cameras around. But he did it for his mom. Smith made it clear why she was doing the show. The only reason was money. They needed yeah. money. Yeah. And I think that communication is key as well. Right. And that, you know, probably made him more accepting of it, even if he didn't like it. Probably. Yeah. Because it's not like she was going to go back to working at Walmart at this point. Like her the- options were limited for what she could do. Mm-hmm. While doing press for her show, Smith was subject to harassment and fat shaming disguised as interviews. One of the grossest interactions came when Anna went on the Howard Stern show. Not to be confused with her lawyer, Howard K. Stern, Stern, right? Uh, No, but the gross Howard Stern show uh, (laughs) to be interviewed. He spends the time calling her fat and even asking her to settle a bet by getting on a scale. He says, so I was guessing your weight. Could you please get on the scale so we'll have an over under? That's all. 
gross. I hate gross, him so much. Gross, gross. I hate him so much. And I'm going to take a segue to where Kim talks about her life again. But I worked at a talent agency and um, the his talent agent, his uh, agent is Don Buckwald and that's where I worked. So after I worked there, it was on my resume. So I used to get calls for jobs and it would usually be some dude bro who'd be like, oh, you worked for Don Buckwalt? Do you listen to the Howard Stern show? And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah, he talks about him all the time. Did you ever you ever meet Howard Stern? No. Did you meet Don Buckwalt? Yeah, like it's his place. Is he nice? Yeah, he's really nice. Is he funny? Like, do they hang out? What? I went on like three different interviews where I got specifically asked about Howard Stern. And the more I hear about Howard Stern, the more I'm repulsed by these people who interviewed me. Because this guy sounds like a fucking monster. And that people actually listen to his show. Yeah. Sounds crazy to me. So like on this episode with Anna, Howard takes call after call from men who share the same sentiment. That Smith was, was really, really hot. And now she's fat. And that she should go back to being hot. Oh, because those two things are obviously exclusive of you one another. You can't hot. be both. Mm-mm, you oh, can't be fat okay. hot. So some of the men were like actually saddened by her weight gain. Others were, over it. Yeah. <sighs> others were angry. Um, but all of them were 100% bothered. Like she done it to them specifically. Yes, they yeah. were like, how could you? No one said, how could you do this to me? But like they were disappointed in her Gross. because she's no longer attractive. Ugh. And Howard Stern just like egged it all on. And I just, I just. No, he's repulsive. He's so, I just don't, the 2000s were like such a, what, when did it, is your show still on? I just don't understand how anyone listened to any of this and didn't feel bad about themselves. Cause like I watched this clip and like, it's so sad. All eyes at this time were on Smith and her weight was this main conversation, mm-hmm. right? In October of 2003, she became the spokeswoman for uh, something called Trim Spa, which allegedly helped her lose a reported 69 pounds. Anna was in all their ads, um, and in one, she can be seen exiting a, a Hummer limo. Ugh, a Hummer limo. What a 2000s icon. Hummers and Hummer limos were everywhere. They're so impractical, but so trendy. Yes. Like yeah. trying to get a Hummer limo around a turn in New York City. Like around a corner? Yeah. Like impossible. It, like, it's a shit show. But they were everywhere. And how much gas is so wasteful. Like so that. wasteful. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Smith exits the limo onto a red carpet and declares, I'm back. While the crowd shouts things like, you look unbelievably stunning, sexy, blah, 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 right? The paparazzi snaps picture after picture and asks, how did you do it? And in the ad, Smith brightly says, trim spot, baby. And it's just like, mm, why? Why? Also, like, I don't... Listen to our episode on diet culture. Yeah, I... <laughs> listen, this is... The 2000s were wild. I don't think the partnership was lucrative for the company and for Anna. After hiring Smith, sales jumped to $43 million by 2004. Smith is being paid between $200,000 and $500,000 a year to be the face of this weight loss pill. This is just what she needed, because in February of 2004, a federal appeals court overturned the ruling that gave her that $88.5 million deeming that she was entitled to nothing. This is still going on. Yes, this this court case is gently going on in the background. It's the sauce on the stove. You have to like go stir it every once in a while. But this court case has been going mm-hmm. on for a while. Well, Smith was wrapping up her TV show and getting bigger gigs. She appeared in the John Travolta film Be Cool, and she produced and starred in a film called Illegal Aliens. 
One of her biggest appearances was in a music video for the Kanye West song, The New Workout Plan. The video was a play on the infomercial craze of the time and a satirical view on misogyny and the role of women in the world of hip hop. Anna plays Ellie Mae, the ultimate trophy wife. She's basically the star of the video and got a lot of camera time. At this point, West was a new artist. Smith was bigger than him, and this cameo helped his career. Because of her work in the video, it made sense that she would be the one to introduce Kanye West at the American Music Awards when he was set to perform that exact song. It was a simple job, but it didn't go smoothly. Smith comes out to introduce West. Her speech is slurred and her eyes are all over the place. She stumbles over the intro, then stops, throws up her arms and asks, like my body, then delivers her weight loss catchphrase, trim spa, baby, before putting her head down and clapping for a solid minute. So like it's eerie to see like she just claps and everyone is cheering. This Honestly, this moment should have been taken more seriously, like seen as a cry for help or something instead of comic material for like presenters and like late night hosts and stuff throughout the rest of the show and for comedians over the next few months. So after this life goes on and Smith is back in court, now it's February 2006 and her case is in appeals at the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has entered the chat. This is wild to me that something like an Anna Nicole Smith court case involving yeah. money and something that seems inheritance so yeah. is at the Supreme Court. Yes. It's I also absurd. really like when our our like our people meet in, in real life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on May 1st, 2006, the United States Supreme Court unanimously decided the case in favor of Anna Nicole Smith on the question of federal jurisdiction, basically saying that, yes, she had the right to sue for what she thought she was owed. Pierce died on June 2006 at the age of 67 from an infection before he could successfully prosecute the case any further. His wife did continue the court battle on behalf of his estate. I just, think anyone I, who has that much money, you oh don't God, need it. Right? Just like, and you were fine. so old. You spent the last 10 years of your life in fucking court when you could have been like, what does she want? It, just give it to her. Just give it to her because you had so much money already. Especially when they get to the part where like she just had 88 million yes. instead of 400. Just and give her the million. 88 million. Like our, that was that would have been a good deal to strike because she was getting like 400 something before. Yeah. And you could have settled for the 88, but you were, I guess it was like a point of pride. Like, gross. You're not part of my family. You're not getting this money. But like, I don't know, if I were the wife, I'd be like, oh, is he dead? What do you want? How much? Can I write you a check? Because I don't want to do this shit anymore. Like, right? <laughs> this court case took your husband away from you for a very long period of time, for years. Anyway, Smith had bigger things to think about. And starting another court case was on the back burner for her. In June of 2006, she announced that she was pregnant and her daughter, Hannah Rose Marshall Stern, was born in New Providence in the Bahamas on September 7, 2006. Now, the Bahamas, like, we know what you're thinking. What and why? Like, why would you go there to have your baby? Well, a few reasons were given by Anna's team. The beach. <laughs> the beach. <laughs> I don't have my baby on a beach. Well, she was looking to escape the cameras and the paparazzi that were hounding her. So going somewhere that's a little more uh, removed. Private. Yeah. I guess that was their their argument. Another reason the Netflix documentary, Anna Nicole Smith, You Don't Know Me, gives us is the paternity, the way paternity is settled in the Bahamas. So basically, whoever signs the birth certificate is the father in the Bahamas. Um, Smith didn't plan on raising her child with the actual father. She wanted to raise her child alone. She didn't need 
a baby daddy. She just wanted to do it independently. But she needed to have a name on the birth certificate. Yes. Anna was the happiest she'd been in years. She and both her children were staying in her hospital room, bonding, no cameras, no strangers, just family. Sadly, this bliss didn't last, as just three days after her daughter was born, her son Daniel died on September 10th, 2006, in his mother's hospital room. An autopsy found that he had died from a combination of drugs, including methadone, which ironically is a medication to treat opioid opioid use disorder, Mm -hmm. right, and antidepressants. Smith was distraught. Everything she had done for her son to provide a better life for him or just like to be with him. That was, that was her whole life was centered around this. During the funeral, Smith tried to climb into the casket. She said that if Daniel has to be buried, I want to be buried with him. So I read this. I was trying, there was a whole thing after her death where they were trying to assign blame for like who did what and where the drugs came from. And, but I don't get super into that because it was just, it was a lot, but the methadone, Allegedly, she might have been on methadone and that was in the hospital for her. Like it got sent from America because like they don't have it apparently in the Bahamas. So it got sent over and that is allegedly what he overdosed on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't like he didn't just he have He wasn't on methadone. opioids. No, no. They said that like, he drank a beer occasionally, but like there wasn't really and no one saw signs of any kind of drug abuse but i mean i don't know how hard anybody was really watching but that's apparently where the methadone came from okay so eight days later after daniel was buried on september 28 2006 smith and her lawyer stern exchanged vows and rings before a baptist minister it seems like this might have been done to kind of slow down the paternity storm that was coming in an interview on cnn's larry king live howard case stern talks about this relationship that him and smith have saying that they've been in a relationship for a very long time he claimed that he was the father of her daughter however no marriage certificate was ever issued and the ceremony was not legally binding after the wedding um anna also submitted a name change for her daughter to honor her son and her new marriage Hannah officially became Danny Lynn Hope Marshall Stern as of October 2006. The paternity storm that we mentioned started just days after she was born, with lots of questionable figures coming out of the woodwork claiming they were the father. So Howard K. Stern, the lawyer, friend, claimed lover, and now husband, was the first and only one that Smith claimed as the father. Larry Burkhead was a freelance photographer in L.A., The two met in 2003 at the Kentucky Derby and dated and lived together on and off. And now we get to like the weird ones. So there was Frederick Prince von Anhalt. He was the husband of actress Zaza Gabor, who maybe should get a little rep because I started looking at her and she seems pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, He claimed that he and Smith had had an affair for over 10 years and he was probably the father. Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably the father. He announced that he was going to sue for custody. He let the paparazzi know that he was going to be submitting his paperwork at a courthouse in Santa Monica, California. He also took and passed three lie detector tests, according to his attorney. No one ever asked him to take a test. Um, and it really seemed like this guy was just seeking attention. Yeah, it, that seems weird. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like, he went straight to the reporters to be like, I'm probably the father. And it was like, who are you? <laughs> no one knew who you were. All still while married to Zaza Gabor. Great. I could not find a statement that she put out. I think she was just like, what is this shit? <laughs> was and she still alive then? She was still alive then. Yes, yeah, she died not. Too, I think she might have died in like 2018 or something. But she was still alive then. But I cannot find a statement that she made about this. Yeah, I was just really like, I'm done. Know. 
Well, he wasn't the only one seeking attention. So was Alexander Denk, former bodyguard of Smith. He revealed to the TV show Extra that he and Anna were together for two years. Denk said, there's always a possibility that he's Danny Lynn's father when the interviewer directly questioned him about it. He also claimed that Anna promised to have a baby with him. Oh, okay. But the oddest person to step up to the plate, well, not literally, because he's dead, but was J. Howard Marshall II, right? This is Smith's late second husband, right? Mm -hmm. So Donna Hogan, Smith's half-sister, claimed that Smith hinted that she had used the old man's frozen sperm and would be giving birth to Marshall's child. It kind of feels like in the movie Annie. Have you seen Annie? The original one. The one with um, Carol Burnett. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yay. <laughs> so it feels like when Daddy Warbucks puts out a call to Annie's real parents and like all these trash ass people show up and they're like, I'm the real father. I'm the real mother. Like everyone's trying to collect a payday or just be important. Like it, it feels really shitty. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So the walls were closing in on Smith as the U.S. asked her to submit the baby for a paternity test. Smith obtained permanent residency status in the Bahamas. The newest issue was that the house she was staying in wasn't hers. It belonged to a former boyfriend, and she was supposed to pay him for the house, but she didn't. So he started the eviction process. Once evicted, Smith relocated temporarily to Hollywood, Florida, renting rooms for her and her team at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. They were looking to secure housing back in the Bahamas. Her team was small, consisting of her bodyguard, his wife who was a nurse, and Howard Kaster. Smith was sick. She wasn't eating and sleeping for days on end. Her team wanted to take her to the hospital, but she was scared that the paparazzi would follow them and take bad pictures of her. On February 8, 2007, Smith was found unresponsive. Her bodyguard and his wife took turns doing CPR, and Smith was rushed to Memorial Regional Hospital, where she was pronounced dead on arrival at 2.49 p.m. The cause of death was listed as accidental drug overdose. There were 11 different drugs in her system at the time of the autopsy. She was buried next to her son, Daniel, on March 2nd, 2007. In April 2007, a judge from the Bahamas ruled that the DNA test had established Burkhead as the father of Smith's daughter. Burkhead got a new birth certificate listing him as the father, got a passport, and left for the U.S. with Danny Lynn. She was only five months old when her mother died. Anna Nicole Smith was only 39 years old. So, I mean, the truth is really kind of tricky here, I think. It's not... Yeah. There, there's a lot of factors to consider. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things is that, like, a lot of her family really seemed to have failed her. Yeah. It just... It really comes across that way, right? You know, Smith was searching for love from her first husband to child to Hollywood. Like, all of these places, she was kind of seeking it out. And she has said many times over her career that she was lonely. She had her first child because of that loneliness. Never a good reason to have a child. No. But, you know, Never. here we are. Um, her mother was known to do interviews accusing her daughter of lying about her childhood. Virgie May Hogan, her mother, uh, claimed that her daughter lied for attention and that she had been seeking attention since she was a young girl. In the Netflix documentary, uh, Virgie says she loved being the center of attention. We would go to the mall and there would be 50 men and boys walking behind us. She was 14. So I don't know if that kind of attention was what she was seeking from 50 men and boys. Like it feels. Also, that seems like it has to be an exaggeration of or course. else why would you not like 
called the call the cops or something. She actually I don't know. was a cop. Oh, that's right. She yeah, was she's a, cop. a cop. She didn't even need to call them. Yeah, she's she's the cop. Just turn around and be like, I have a gun, get away from my daughter. Yeah. Here's my badge. Yeah. So her mother claims that there was never any abuse, sexual or physical. Smith cut off contact with her mother, but remained close to her aunt who helped raise her. We can't know for sure, but Hogan's claims that a child was seeking attention from older men sounds a lot like victim blaming. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like she was trying to switch the blame. Like, oh, yeah, like she slept with older dudes, but like she was always looking for attention. Like, it, it just it feels like the beginning of a Lifetime movie where the parents are bad and like something bad is going to happen to this daughter. And the parents are just like, well, look at those look at those tight shorts she's wearing. She's just asking for it. Ugh. I hate that phrase, but you're so right. Mm -hmm. You're so right. This Netflix documentary will have you believe that since Smith lied about the father of her daughter, Danny Lynn, she lies about everything. So let's look at that situation again. Smith wanted to have another baby, but she wasn't looking for a husband. She could have gone to a Spartan bank, but that would have been like fodder for the tabloids. Absolutely. When she has the baby, her attentions are to keep it away from the baby's father and she probably didn't bet on Larry Burkhead actually pursuing custody, as some men would take the situation as a like, get out of jail free card, right? Like, oh, you want a baby and I don't want to be a dad? Bye. Yeah. I'll raise that kid in the Bahamas. Um, three days after she has the baby, her son dies. Now people want to take her daughter away from her. Like, clearly not forever, but she's grieving. You know, yeah. she doesn't just want to, like, give up another kid. Her walls went up and she did everything in her power to keep her daughter in her full custody. At this point, losing another person would seem so overwhelming and probably unthinkable. So we aren't saying what she did was right, but like, to me, it's understandable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, you know, here's another point. She was called the gold digger. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about J. Howard Marshall, right? This older man that Smith was supposedly using for his money. I kind of wonder if anybody ever accused him of using her or taking advantage of her. What? He's a man. How could he ever? <laughs> right? Man. Uh, I mean, it's true. You know, he was older and more worldly than Smith. She was a struggling single mom working two jobs. And until this older man with the money to change her life, like, shows up, right? But we know that that narrative isn't as convenient as just blaming the woman, right? Obviously, yeah. that's much easier to do. So let's learn a little bit more about uh, Marshall. So... Not a lot was known about him other than his age at the time. So he was born in 1905, which sounds insane to say. 1905. <laughs> like, what are you, an institution? 1905. Ugh. So he attended Yale School of Law, and he made his money from the Texas oil boom of the 1930s. <laughs> which he made his money like 30, 40 years before she was even born. Yes, that's crazy so he was a savvy businessman who made deals and became richer over the years he also had a soft spot for strippers in 1982 after his second wife was diagnosed with alzheimer's marshall found solace with jewel walker walker was a 42 year old stripper from houston texas marshall clearly has a type yeah yep uh he was 77 at that time and he lived to spoil this woman we're talking cars clothes jewelry you know sound familiar mm-hmm he spent $1.2 million on her in 1984 alone. Yikes. What are you buying? I, I need someone to do that. <laughs> and like, things were cheaper back then. So like, mm -hmm. what were you buying? Yeah. Right? Five boats. Six M houses. <laughs> Marshall found himself alone at the end of his life with more money than he could ever spend. In a letter to Walker, Marshall wrote, To love and be loved. 
to a man who has dedicated his life to his work, this is truly life's greatest experience. I belong to you. The age difference or the money, neither was a issue for Marshall. In 1991, he was devastated when his girlfriend Walker and his wife Betty Bohannon both died. Grieving, Marshall went out to find someone to make him happy. Enter Anna Nicole Smith. In an interview with 2020, Smith speaks about their first meeting. His driver brought him into the strip club to cheer him up. She says, he had no will to live and I went over to see him. He got this little twinkle in his eyes and he asked me to dance for him, so I did. She remembered Marshall as really, really funny and brilliant. When she talks about him, she lights up and she goes on to say, gosh, he just had so many stories. He was just an amazing man. He was really just amazing. At the time, Smith was still in touch with her childhood best friend, Joe McLemore, and told her all about Marshall. McLemore said they needed each other in more of a sense than people understood. And so they just took care of each other. Marshall proposed to Smith many times, but Anna wanted to make a name for herself. She always said she was going to be something, and that's why she left her small town in the first place. In lieu of marriage, Marshall spoiled Smith. He bought her millions in jewelry, a ranch, and horses, a red Mercedes convertible, and paid for her breast implants. Smith herself told ABC News in 2000 that Marshall took me out of a terrible place. He cared for me and my son. In return, I took care of him, and I loved him for that. Honestly, if Smith was just looking to steal his money, why would she have married? Why wouldn't she have married him the second he asked? Right? Yeah. I mean, she would have been able to get him to change his will. That's for sure. Being with him longer. Being that old and rich and not having a will up to date is kind of irresponsible. Yeah. In my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, I concur. If you're a billionaire. (laughs) Right? Keep your will up to date. So did you, like, off topic, on topic, uh, Aretha Franklin's family is still fighting about her money. She died years ago because she didn't have, she had a bunch of wills just scattered around her house. None of them with dates. Some of them written in pencil, pen. So, like, they're trying to figure out which one to go based on. Wow. Because she didn't have, like, an actual official will. Right. If If you you get a will, make sure you get it signed by a notary. Yes. But like also, if you're that rich, bro, figure out your money. Get like a, a there are lawyers, there are like estate planners. Like it seems crazy. Yeah, but I remember Aretha Franklin used to like stuff her money in her bra and sure. everything. So <laughs> and like in her mattress, yeah. And we had that confirmed by a friend of ours. Who, oh yeah, who had like worked with her at a venue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now let's consider Smith's image. Now Anna's image of herself was very much set in what people thought of her. So let's start with the breast implants. Smith had five different surgeries to make them perfect, right? But they were too much on her small frame. This caused constant pain, so she took a pill for it. For weight loss, she was taking a combination of vitamin B, aminoglobulins, okay, aminogoblins, (laughs) just like a series, like a superhero set of like, goblins i know i'm picturing like you inject them and they just go and they eat your fat like oh okay they're little goblins i i can see that i like that i like that um she was also taking a human growth hormone and possibly trim spot you know she was advertising for it but you never know if people are actually apparently not yeah (laughs) apparently they didn't find any in her system i don't know if they actually check for that or if that was just like a thing for the press to say that they didn't find any uh, trim spot in her system but like what were you looking for like what exactly is in trim spa that you would Right, exactly. No one knows for sure if she was actually taking the trim spa at that point. Uh, She injected all of these things into her butt, right? Like 
However, she developed an infection from this, which caused the fever that she suffered with in her final days. Now, this fever wasn't treated, as we mentioned, because she refused to go to the emergency room for fear that the paparazzi would get a picture of her. That's so sad. Smith's life was so short, and she spent most of it plagued by other people's obsession with her body. People loved her when she was thin, and she was determined to have people love her again. Her personality, kindness, sense of humor were all the same when she was at her heaviest, but those things apparently were less important and didn't really matter. Yeah, no, they don't. No, yeah. personality, that, that, that doesn't mean anything. No. Striving to be the perfect size and shape led her to abuse diet pills. In quotes. <clears throat> she did it because she realized that people only found value in her when she looked a certain way. In 1996, she was mourning the death of her second husband, J. Howard Marshall. During an interview with the show Extra, the interviewer pointed out her weight gain. Smith replied, all I do is eat and watch TV. She was clearly depressed and lonely. Let's make her feel bad about her weight, too. Yeah, let's do it. Great. Well, we, we briefly spoke about that time on the Howard Stern show. Um, and in 2002... Stern had an interview with Anna Nicole Smith. He felt the need to inform her of her size, saying, the way you dress, I don't think you're aware that you're a heavy set woman. Smith replied, I know I'm a big woman, so what? He and a co-host spent the rest of the interview berating her. So at that moment, she was nothing. All her accomplishments, including being Playboy's Playman of the Year, the films and TV that she had starred in, the fact that she actually had her own huge reality series, it was all forgotten because she was fat now. And for some people, being fat is the worst thing a woman could be. Smith didn't feel the same by all accounts. She was a regular woman who thought she deserved to be desired, happy, and respected. Stern and a lot of media didn't agree, and they treated her poorly until she showed up on the scene with Trim Spa. So speaking of another like really gross interview I had to watch, the things I do for this podcast, Jesus. <laughs> so Anna Nicole Smith appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno on May 7th, 2004. And the first things first, Leno congratulates her on her weight loss. Then he displays a picture of her before her weight loss, all while asking, what made you put on the weight? Because you used to be this size. What happened? Smith's response, my husband died. You think? Yeah. So Lena goes on to ask the deep questions about her junk food of choice and if she was happy after she overate and the last time she had sex. He ends it by polling the audience on if she should lose more weight or stay the same. Fucking rage. Rage, yeah. rage, rage. Like, it is nobody's business except the person themselves mm -hmm. if they want to lose weight or not. Like, well, and maybe their doctor. Yeah. You know, but... And, like, she goes on with this and it kind of feels like... She wanted to be in the spotlight. She wanted to be loved. And like she wasn't on that show when she was fat. No one asked her to be on a TV show, talk show. Mm -hmm. When she was thin, she had like a place to be. So like she'll sit there and she'll put up with like this smack from Jay Leno of all people. Gross. With her new thinner body came more work. So another thing that yeah. like only like reinforces. Yeah. Movie cameos, music videos, magazine covers. The world told us and Smith, if we like how you look, you can stick around. At the start of her career, Smith was a fan favorite and eager to please. She would be seen signing autographs for fans and posing for the camera. She understood that the relationship was symbiotic. They were feeding off of each other. They treated her like a friend until she was down. Pictures of a celebrity in the dirt are always going to sell better than those like nice, smiling, happy ones, mm -hmm. right? Smith started to distrust the press and the paparazzi when they turned on her. 
In an article titled How Anna Nicole Smith Became America's Punchline, writer Sarah Marshall discussed how and why the media turned on Smith. Marshall starts, from her first Playboy appearance in 1992 to her death in 2007, Anna Nicole Smith's story was about was about a beautiful girl lifted up from the dust and then about a beautiful woman destroyed. She notes how Smith was basically plucked out of obscurity and then plugged into the new role of America's sex symbol. She wasn't prepared for it, not even close. She grew up poor in a small town. There was no media training. It was all on her to learn and navigate. Marshall goes on to write, America had fallen in love with Anna. That love which is the particular species of cultural obsession our country reserves for buxom white blondes. But it was a love she could not sustain if she revealed herself to be any more complex than her centerfold image. It was a love that could not diminish, only reverse, and now it had transformed into derision and hatred. Yet no matter how hard Americans tried to regard Anna Nicole Smith with apathetic dismissal, they couldn't hide their fascination. And I just have like a comment about that, like, if she revealed herself to be more complex than her centerfold, it's given me Jenny from Forrest Gump. Yes. Right? Because we heard we heard so many comments about mm. or we read comments about like, oh well, she just married Forrest after he had his money and this and that. And it's like, mm, no. Yeah. So when Anna cracked under the pressure, she became a train wreck. And train wrecks are profitable and watchable. For a time, Anna Nicole Smith was considered Marilyn Monroe incarnate. They had similar upbringings and, like, a lot of other things in common. So let's kind of check them off. Uh, possible sexual abuse, definitely on Marilyn's side, maybe on Smith's side. They both had name changes. They both left their first marriage for something better. They were both in Playboy and Playmates of the Year. Both beautiful blonde bombshells. Uh, they both had surgery to maintain their new Hollywood look. They were both haunted by the paparazzi. They both had very high-profile marriages and alleged affairs. They unfortunately both self-medicated, which led to their tragic deaths. They both lived lives that ended up as Hollywood conspiracy stories. Presumed sex, drugs, glitz, glamour, and a questionable death that likely could have been prevented. For a time, Smith actually lived in Marilyn Monroe's old house. Smith was absolutely a fan and modeled her look after Monroe. Smith lived with some of the same judgments and pressures from Hollywood that Monroe did. What we can glean from Smith and Monroe's deaths is that the media has learned nothing in 45 years since Monroe's death. The sad woman slurring her words needs our compassion, not her snapshot taken. We think one of the biggest accomplishments that Smith did was that she made it. She told people the day that she left her tiny town of Mejia that she was going to be a star. She made it to Playboy. She made it onto the big screen. And she did it on her own. No training, no rich parents. She made something of herself by doing it herself. Smith inspired models of all sizes with her guest campaign. People had not seen a body type like hers on billboards. The 90s was about thin, waif-like women. Think like heroin chic. Yikes. Yeah. It's kind of coming back, too, and I'm not a it fan. It is gross. Smith showed up looking healthy and curvy and got a three-year contract. She expanded the market. The Anna Nicole show was hugely popular, beating out the Osbournes and newlyweds Nick and Jessica. Did you ever? You didn't watch Nick and Jessica. No, but I, I am familiar. That's the chicken of the sea. Yes. Oh, my. Wait till we fucking talk about Jessica Simpson because that haunted her. <sighs> anyway, that's another episode. But um, Anna's show beat everyone's show in the ratings game, including newlyweds Nick and Jessica. So the show was often called America's Guiltiest Pleasure. Guilty pleasure or not, millions of people were watching it. 
While Anna didn't win any awards, she did touch people's lives and they touched hers. We found this story in a newspaper from Lincoln, Nebraska, from a guy named Andy McKenty. He worked for a group called Camp Kindle, a nonprofit organization that helps young people infected or affected by HIV or AIDS. McKenty remembers that Anna was in a lot of pain as she had recently broken two ribs skiing. She put on a brave face in Lincoln, signing autographs and singing for the reality celebrity karaoke benefit at the camp. At camp, he says, she did anything and everything to make those kids happy, including dressing up head to toe as a clown. I think she had a really big heart and it wasn't always shown. Later in an episode of Smith's show, it featured her time at the camp. The show often portrayed her as much worse than she was because that's what people wanted to see. McKenty said, but you could see that she was a real person, just like anybody else, and not just what the media was making her out to be. There's always another side to people. The episode didn't show Smith spending an hour in the dunking booth or getting up at 5 a.m. to go on a nature walk and playing with the kids, he said. Smith was always real, and we think that she would probably list this as one of her own accomplishments. Howard K. Stern, again, not Howard Stern, Howard K. Stern, husband, lawyer, lawyer. Esquire, (laughs) has also set up a charity in her name. The Anna Nicole and Daniel Wayne Smith Charitable Foundation benefits charitable causes that Anna Nicole supported during her life, children, the elderly, and the treatment and cure of AIDS. All right. So final thoughts, takeaways. So tons of them, but like, well, I'll keep it brief. So there was a phrase that I heard while doing research, um, adored by millions, loved by few. Also, the word tragic, like I kept hearing that over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I think that I think the idea is that a tragedy can't be prevented. Right. So we just we're sad when it happens, but we don't do anything to stop it. And I think that if more people loved Anna Nicole, she would still be here. Her family failed her. The media laughed at her when there should have been concern instead of laughing. I think that if Anna rose to fame today, things would be different. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I would hope. I think the whole idea of her marriage I think that people can't equate a marriage that is not like solely based on sex. Like it doesn't make sense to them. Mm. So it's like these two people felt something for each other that was more than physical. And no, that can't be. He's so old. He's so like, he's an old man. He's withering. He can't be attractive. Why would she be with him? Because he was probably the first man in a long time that like gave a shit about her. Right. She had been mistreated by her dad mistreated by like the boyfriend she had this is the first guy who like cared about spending time with her and cares about spending time with her kid right which was like one of her big points so i think that that's kind of sad that companionship is a real thing it should be the number one thing in a relationship and i think that people think sex is the number one in a relationship but i really think like at the end of the day you want to be with that person Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're doing you know exactly that's my point to that and also there's another quote um it's from Chicago. Have you seen Chicago? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I hope some like I want there to be like a a, a subreddit or a Tumblr a account that like keeps track of movies that Kim has seen that I have not. <laughs> Someone started it. So um it's Chicago the musical. Um there's a line. So the line is, ooh, the audience loves me, and I love them, and they love me for loving them, and I love them for loving me. And we love each other, and that's because none of us got enough love in our childhood, and that's showbiz, kid. (laughs) And that reminds me of Anna because she was seeking love for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And even when the media was dirt to her, 
she changed her whole existence so that they would love her again. Yeah. I mean, for me, one thing that I never really heard about was how she had known Marshall for years before she actually married him. Yeah. Right. And it was very much he who was the one pursuing her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she wanted to do her thing and, and she didn't want to necessarily have her hand held for that. Uh, you know, like, that's the kind of stuff that gets left out of the mainstream media conversation or at least out of the headlines. It's inconvenient. Yeah. It, it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. Also, I am blown away that her case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Like, that's wild. Like, dude, that was hundreds of millions of dollars. You couldn't spare a couple for his wife and her child. Like, I'd always heard about Anna Nicole Smith, but there was nothing good said about her. And now I'm glad that I know a lot more of her story. So if you want to know more about her story, we've got some resources and some references. So this documentary on Netflix, I say watch it. But with a grain of salt. With a grain of salt and use your own judgment. So it's Anna Nicole Smith, You Don't Know Me, directed by Ursula McFarlane. Uh, It was released this year, 2023, and it's on Netflix. Um, Also, there's 2020 Tragic Beautiful Anna Nicole Smith, and you can see that on YouTube. Inside the Tragically Short Life of Anna Nicole Smith by Natalie Finn. See, everything is just tragic. Tragic, tragic. Mm -hmm. An article we mentioned before, How Anna Nicole Smith Became America's Punchline by Sarah Marshall. And When Cameras Were Off, Anna Nicole Smith Was Still Vicky Lynn, Friends Say, by Ali Yang. Another one of those, like, ridiculous titles. titles. (laughs) (laughs) Useful article, ridiculous title. Yes. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women we should cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod and Instagram and TikTok at BigRepetationsPod. Send us a message or email us at BigRepetationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, and your sugar pies. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Big Reputations pod or just check out the link in our Linktree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you will get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, Hedy Lamar. Stick around after the episode where we'll share a teaser from that episode. All right, let's wrap up the first of our recording marathon episodes. Kim, what quote do you have for us? Um, I have one from Anna. You never know if they like you for who you are or what you are. That's, That's a lot. Yeah. She was deeper than we all thought and no one allowed her to just be fucking deep. Yeah. You know what y'all should do? Believe women. topic of conversation as it was praised but also scandalized see the film had some pretty graphic depictions of sex nudity and female orgasms this was all before well, it was first of all it was in germany but second yes. of all it was like pre-haze code yeah <laughs> so they're like what is going on here so again it was in 1932 and the film was much too much for some audiences the film was banned in the u.s and actually banned in germany okay yeah so i guess they were a little well, in 1932. Yeah, they were probably like, what is this? It's They're 1932. Like, we're about to have a war. It's fine. <laughs> this should be the least of their problems then. 
female yeah, but, orgasms. Maybe if there were more female orgasms, there would have been less war. 